0: It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Chiefs. Here's your host, Matt Derry. Thank you for joining us, everybody, and listening on this Thursday, June 6th. It is another edition of Wired as we discuss your Detroit Pistons and the draft, which is coming up in precisely. We are just two weeks away from the NBA draft, June 20th. Pistons will be picking 15th in the first round and then 45 overall In round number two. So two picks coming up. We'll talk about it with Dan Feldman from probasketballtalk.com at NBCsports.com. Dan was a longtime writer for Piston Powered and started that blog and now uh, writes for probasketball.com. And he's been covering uh, the NBA Finals and is heading back to Toronto when that series gets back there for what is most likely a Game 6 between the Warriors and Raptors. We'll also talk a little NBA Finals with Dan coming up in a little bit. So with the draft coming up, we'll get to Dan in a second, but I kind of wanted to, to touch on a few th- news and notes. Uh, Pistons announced today that they're working out six more players. So it's now a grand total of 36 players. This according to Pistons.com's Keith Langloy that have worked out for the Pistons up at the Palace practice facility. Today, six guys in. A uh, Guard Chris Clyburn from UNLV. Uh, the big man Tyler Cook from Iowa at 6'9". Corey Davis Jr. from Houston at 6'1". Guard. Anthony Lawrence, a swingman from Miami who's 6'7". Dean Wade from Kansas State, who's a really good player and had a really good career uh, for Bruce uh, um, um, uh, Bruce Weber and the folks at uh, Wildcat Country there in Manhattan, Kansas at 6'10". And also 6'10 big man Simmy Chateau. Six ten out of Vanderbilt, who's a very very intriguing prospect and a guy that if he if he's there at forty five, I think the Pistons would take a long look at. Athletic averages eleven points and six rebounds a game in his one season at Vanderbilt last year, and he was a part of that Bryce Drew team that lost like twenty games in a row. And um, once Darius Garland, their guard, went down with an injury, like the season just completely uh, blew up on them. So much so that. Uh, Drew was fired, and former Piston Jerry Stackhouse has been named the new head coach at Vandy, but Chatou decided to leave. He was a McDonald's All-American the year before, played one year at Vanderbilt, and I find him to be somebody very, very intriguing. I wouldn't be taking him at 15, but at number 45, he is a big guy at 6'10 that can do everything, handle the ball, block shots, rebound. Uh, I've watched him a couple of times, and I, I like what I see from Simmy Chatou, and he was in town, Uh, on Thursday, working out. Earlier in the week, a couple of other names uh, of interest and intrigue that the Pistons worked out. Darius Baisley, uh, coming straight out of high school, basically sat out all of last year. He committed to play basketball at Syracuse, and they elected just to work out and not play, and not even risk playing college basketball. So he, he was one of these workout guys all year, but he's 19 years of age. That's another guy that many draft experts expect to be there at 45, and also... A name that many people know is Michigan State's Matt McQuaid, the sharpshooting guard uh, who's had a couple of workouts and uh, apparently heading to Cleveland after uh, Detroit this week to work out for John Beeline and the Cavs. But Matt McQuaid's another interesting prospect and maybe could be a an undrafted guy uh, that the Pistons would look at. But what I find interesting, and Keith has pointed this out, and I, I noticed Rod Beard from the Detroit News wrote this as well, is that the Pistons have worked out 36 players so far. And, of course, they, they went to the Chicago pre-draft camp. They've been at all the Combines, Portsmouth, everything else. But Detroit has not brought in a single player, at least that they have announced, that is a possible first-round pick. Everybody that they've basically brought in has a second-round a second-round grade by most of the draft analysts. Now, again, the Pistons may be playing a game of chicken here. Maybe they don't want to announce to the world or, or, or to anybody that they're working a certain player out. Um, you know, numerous drafts have players uh, the caliber of Bull Bull uh, from Oregon, um, Romeo Lankford from Indiana, Nasir Little from North Carolina, Tyler Hero from Kentucky, Keldon Johnson from Kentucky, KZ, Uh, Akpala from Stanford, guys like that, those are all names being bandied about around number 15 for Detroit in the first round. And we're going to talk to Dan about this in a second. But when you look at this draft, and we sit here and kind of break it down, it'll be very interesting to see if the Pistons invite anybody uh, uh, up to the Palace practice facility in the next few weeks that are consensus first-round picks. You would think coming up next week they would do that. But so far... 36 players in, and most of them have second-round grades from many of the experts. And joining me today right here on Wired, longtime NBA writer, you read him at uh, Pro Basketball Talk at NBC Sports, Dan Feldman, local guy, giving us a couple minutes here. What's up, Dan? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, Finals, I know you've been covering that and going back and forth uh, between uh, here and uh, Toronto. Certainly a Wednesday night's game, kind of uneventful for for an NBA Finals game with all the injuries, right? Yeah, I mean
1: the the Warriors gave themselves a a chance to win with how well Steph played, but the way they set up Clay Thompson, they had a very narrow narrow window and they didn't slip through it.
0: What's your take on on the finals so far? Uh, by the time we record this uh, at recording it's it's two games to one Raptors. Uh, it's been certainly interesting, but it's weird the finals not having LeBron for the first time in who knows how long.
1: Yeah, that is a little weird. I I think everybody talked about LeBron being out of the playoffs when the playoffs started and forgot about it. And then when you get to the finals again, it's like, oh yeah, he's still out. This is really weird. It's time to think about this a little more. Um, I think the Raptors have played very well. I always thought they were for real and had a real chance in this series. I picked the Warriors to win, but I wasn't going to be surprised if Toronto did. I thought the Raptors really had to elevate their play to get past the Bucks. I don't think the Warriors had to do that to beat the Trailblazers. They could just kind of coast, and I think we saw in Game 1 that that the Raptors could keep that up. They were ready for a, a tougher matchup in the way Golden State wasn't. But when healthy, the Warriors have so much talent, you can't count them out either. I think this is a has been a good series and will continue to be a good series. All
0: right, Dan, so we're uh, two weeks away from the draft and certainly here in Detroit, and, and for Pistons fans listening here all, all across the globe, uh, that that's where the focus is, picking at 15. Before we get into Detroit, as you look at the draft and talk to NBA people, What's the consensus on what type of draft this is going to be, and how good is this draft?
1: I mean, I think it's generally viewed as weak, but I don't think that's, especially after the the first couple picks, but I don't think that's exactly right in that we rarely know. All the time we call a draft strong, and it turns out to be weak, or vice versa. It's something we're really bad at predicting at the time, but I do think that assessment matters in terms of uh, how teams judge trades, uh, what they're dealing with, because... For any team like the Pistons picking in the middle of the first round, uh, I don't, there will be good players there, but I do think it's weak in the sense of there's probably not going to be somebody there that you know is going to be a solid NBA contributor. You're, you're going to have to work hard in your evaluations and, and give somebody who gives you the best chance and maybe you get it right. Uh, but in this draft, I don't see anybody there where you're like, yep, that guy is a solid NBA contributor in the middle of the first round. That draft's still strong in that way, uh, but it could turn out strong where they all pan out and hit their potential. It could turn out weak where none of them do. Most likely, it'll be somewhere in the middle.
0: Dan Feldman with me here on Wired from a pro, a pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com does a fantastic job for them. All right, so when you, when you look at Detroit's picking at fifteen, and of course in the second round at, at forty five, what should be the goal? You know, how do you kind of view if you if you if you put on Ed Stefanski's glasses, what do you think he's looking at at fifteen?
1: Yeah, see, I'm I'm always a believer in uh, taking the best player available, and only if you really can't separate how good you think a player is going to be do you look at need or fit or or those things, because drafting is so hard that that you're really bound to make mistakes if you worry too much about fit and position and those types of things. Just get somebody you think is going to be good. You might be right, you might not. That's That's the difficulty of drafting, but if you're doing that, you're at least giving yourself the best chance. I mean, really, the way this draft stacks up, I look at a lot of uh, around 15, a lot of flawed prospects who have things I don't like, uh, but they can all turn out. Uh, a lot of them have higher upside, and so it can definitely turn out. I, I think maybe the good news is is because you're dealing with prospects like that already at 15, I don't think there's necessarily in this draft a huge drop between 15 and 45. Uh, there might be somebody sitting there at 45 that this is where at least considering at 15. Now, maybe that's Player at 15, in a typical draft, looks more like a prospect at 45. But I do think there's a decent amount of, of depth
0: in that range. You you actually bring up a very good point. We had Rashad Phillips on here a couple of weeks ago, uh, who does some work for Fox, and of course played at UDM and everything else. And, and he said, "Oh, I I think the Pistons should go after Jalen Hands." And I'm like, "Well, at 15 or 45?" And he's like, "Either one." I mean. The, the 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 uh you know, the the mixed bag here between players between fifteen and forty five and and everything else, it's 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 crazy. I mean that that's I can't remember a time where you could say, I don't know if there's gonna be a player at uh, you know, fifteen or there's gonna be a player at forty five. Um and and it might be the same guy. That that's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, I mean this is this is definitely a, a strangely shaped draft because you have Zion Williamson at the top who you know, it is it is a great prospect in that almost any year. Uh, maybe the best prospect since Anthony Davis. Maybe even uh, further back than that. And so the Helix great as a top prospect and uh, I think John Moran has probably become a pretty typical number two prospect, maybe even a strong one and then after that it, it drops in a hurry but because it drops so quick you do have that range of of where if you're a team with multiple picks uh, from the middle of the first round to the middle of the second round, it might just be good to have the multiple swings rather than uh, focusing on exactly how high you are.
0: Dan Feldman with me from Pro uh, ProBasketballTalk.com Alright, when you look at Fifteen, and you mentioned before some guys that maybe will drop that you thought a year ago would never be at fifteen. Somebody like Romeo Langford from Indiana, who a lot of people are mocking to Detroit at fifteen. If they weren't able to get a guy like that, would you would you like that? Or are you thinking uh, there's too many warts on somebody like that?
1: I, I, here, here's the problem with this draft. Whoever the Pistons are going to pick at fifteen, almost definitely is going to be somebody we go. Ugh, yeah, I don't really, I don't know about him. But you got to take one of them. Uh, Romeo Langford is probably the very good example of it right to get there he had to go through a tough season at indiana he did not play well i was not very impressed but then you realize oh his hand was hurt that could be a real plausible reason Uh, we don't know how he would have played if fully healthy and so if he were fully healthy maybe he'd be going in the top five or maybe uh, if we knew he were fully healthy and maybe he still would have played like that maybe it didn't have a huge effect on how he played. So who, whoever they're going to get is going to be somebody with, with some major flaws, but some real upside, right? Romeo Langford, you, you can't get enough quality wings in the league right now. I think that's definitely an area of, of need for the Pistons, especially bigger wings, uh, somebody who can match up with most small forwards around the league. So he'd be a good fit. If nothing else, he'd be a good fit. Is he a good enough player to make it in the NBA, to, to be real helpful in the team's rotation? I don't know. Uh, but, but he, to me, is the perfect example of the type of player that's going to be available there.
0: Notice the other day too, the Pistons had Darius Baisley in for a workout, and obviously there was a lot of uh, controversy surrounding him last year when he committed to Syracuse and then out of nowhere said, I'm not going there, I'm not going anywhere, I'm just going to go work out all year. Teams, and you know this, Dan, have to watch all these guys even if they go to a personal workout of a player that didn't play in a single game last year. What, What are your thoughts on players like that and guys now going overseas instead of going to college?
1: Yeah I'm I'm all for all the players doing what they think is best for them I I think it's a shame that that college players can't get paid because all these Universities have conspired to limit their compensation to a scholarship and maybe some expenses. And, and so do what's best for him. Good for him. Uh, and uh, especially, you know, we've seen over the years guys who go to Syracuse playing that zone defense, it's not always the best preparation for the NBA. Uh, so I was a little surprised it was for him to have to be so forward-looking on his career and also uh, picking that Syracuse system. There's some pros of going to Syracuse. You know, it's not all bad. I'm just, for the guys who are the most NBA-focused, it it can be a strange pick but yeah anybody who who wants to do something different unconventional it's best for them I'm glad there are more avenues open to them I'm glad Australia is stepping up Uh, I'm glad that the NBA's minor league is putting more emphasis on this maybe not enough to to work but they're at least trying they're at least thinking about it. competition is good for these guys
0: Dan Feldman, with me. Uh, many Pistons fans may remember from uh, uh, the blogosphere, and well, it was Pistons Powered It was yours, correct? Pistons Powered, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Dan, I, you, you look at this team where they are right now, and it's funny because everybody's going to say, "Oh, at fifteen, you're right." If it's a name they recall and they know, like Nazir Little from Carolina, or we mentioned Langford from Indiana. But as you look at how this team is constructed, if they were to, you know, at, at fifteen not take the best available, but take a need. What would that need be? As you look at looked at Detroit last year,
1: I think it would be a wing, um, which which might work out well, right? Because there are those two guys uh, that you just mentioned. Um, maybe even Kevin Porter uh, can be that wing, although he's a little small to be the the positional fit. Uh, but but there are players in that range, uh, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker from Iowa State, uh, who who fit what they need. This is a Uh, A team that didn't quite have the versatility that you'd want, and I think the big way teams get versatility now is by using multiple wings. Pistons just didn't have enough of them uh, to play differing styles as much as most teams. I don't know about most teams. A lot of the good teams do now. There are a lot of teams like the Pistons who can't get enough wings, and it's always something they're looking to upgrade. Uh, The draft definitely could be the place to do it.
0: And second round, and obviously that's a, that's a crapshoot, but it, it seems with all the guys the Pistons are bringing in, uh, you know, whether it's a kid from Wofford or Matt McQuaid, any of the guys that they've brought in recently, they're looking, I would guess, it's shooting in that second round. Do you agree?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, that does appear to be what they're looking at, but sometimes it's just how the order of workouts work out, that by the end of all the workouts, you might see the list and and not view that as the same point of emphasis, but yeah, that does seem to be uh, what they're targeting so far.
0: Tell me about next year. If you had to put kind of a crystal ball on it, uh, and we can't obviously get too deep into it because of the draft, and and we don't know what Detroit's going to do yet and who they're going to get, but... Um, Where where do you view this team moving forward? Uh, Where do you look at them in terms of seeding for next year and the rest of the East and how Detroit kind of uh, fits into that puzzle?
1: Yeah, Pistons are probably in the similar places where they've been the last few years, which is on the edge of, of making the playoffs, maybe making it, maybe not, depends on health. Uh, this isn't the most flexible roster, which is good news and bad news, right? You get the continuity. You have a team that's competitive, right? The Pistons aren't stuck uncompetitive. They're competitive. Uh, but whether they get into the playoffs, I think, depends on the breaks, Um I, I, it's hard to see them getting an upgrade, whether it's in the draft or free agency or trade, that really uh, pushes them into, yep, their clear-cut playoff team. Uh, but it's also hard to see them doing anything where they, they fall out of the race in the offseason, where they don't enter the season uh, without a real solid chance of making the playoffs.
0: When you're on these road trips and you're at the finals, what are you, what are you hearing from other Media members, team members, whatever it is about the performance of Blake Griffin this year.
1: Oh, everybody is very impressed. Uh, I mean, he had a, a great year and really displayed an all around game even beyond what he had done before. He has worked so hard to develop his game since coming into the league when he was limited. Uh, he was a dunker, uh, and that was, I want to say that was it but it was close to it uh now he's phenomenal as a passer he's expanded his shooting range he's a ball handler and he's done all of it to such a higher degree in detroit uh in a lot of ways, the trade has worked out as well as the Pistons could have hoped. Uh, the downside is, yeah, you saw that catch up to him at the end of the year with, with getting hurt, and hopefully he has a healthy year next year and can continue on the track he's on. But you know, he got that all-NBA selection, and I, I think you know the vote proves is, uh, that everybody in the media at least thinks that was very well-deserved, and so do I.
0: Dan, it was great catching up with you. Appreciate the time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right, so there's Dan Feldman from Pro Basketball Talk at NBCSports.com, giving us a few minutes here on Wired, brought to you by Jeep. We appreciate Dan uh, for giving us his time, and I, I'm with him on this draft. And, you know, we talked about it before, before, but this is this is a draft that many experts, and, and me, me too, I, you just you look at it, and it's extremely top-heavy with Zion and John ja Morant and R.J. Barrett, who sounds like he really wants to go to the Knicks, and Darius Garland, and then after that, it, it's a total crapshoot. We've we've heard many different names and we'll hopefully in the next couple of weeks uh, be talking to Ed Stefanski here on the podcast just to get his thoughts on players and I don't know if he he's uh, the type of general manager or at least guy in the know uh, uh, top of an organization that's going to want to dissect and talk about individual players. Some uh, general managers, VP of basketball operations do that. Others don't want to comment specifically on players, but um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. I'm with Dan. It may just end up being best player available at 15. Yet we do know this, and Dan's right. The Pistons do need some some wing players. They need some athletes on the wing. Six, 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 seven, small forward, uh, shooting guard, athleticism, and they of course also need to add some shooting, which I think they would do certainly at number four, to, uh, number 45. They've already worked out the likes of Matt McQuaid, who's a pure shooter, and Fletcher McGee from Wofford, who's a a pure pure shooter. So. It's it's I think it's it's apparent that Detroit is definitely looking in that direction to try to add a shooter uh, for the draft. So back, we'll be back with you next week, and then boy oh boy, in two weeks, cannot wait. The NBA draft will uh, be underway with the Pistons picking 15th and the number 45 overall in round number two. My name is Matt Derry. We're brought to you by Jeep here on Wired. We'll talk to you again next week.